Hey there, everybody. Bob Beatty Barr here, and welcome to episode 14 of the My Friends Are Amazing podcast. So it kind of feels like every two weeks is becoming the norm, eh? Well, I actually recorded this episode on Tuesday of last week, so kudos to me. But of course, I scheduled it for Wednesday, but my guest is from Australia, so I have my days all mixed up. Anyway, we will talk more about that at the beginning of the podcast. So, of course, I had a crazy 24-hour work trip to LA right after that. It was basically eight hours in a plane for a two-hour meeting, but I know you're all wondering, the meeting went great. So anyway, enough about me. Uh, That's just some of the reasons why I didn't get the podcast out last week. So let's get on with our sponsor reads. So today, just like every other day, the podcast is brought to you by Social Imposter, reputation management for social networking profiles. Social Imposter is a customized service utilizing proprietary technology that finds and mitigates the removal of fake social network pages on behalf of high-profile brands, actors, Athletes, models, musicians, politicians, military officers, business people, members of the clergy, and their management teams. Basically, if you have a social media presence and you have a large following, if you've built that audience, social media or social imposter actually helps you protect your reputation by looking and finding fake pages that are registered in your on your like to fake being you, but it also protects your visitors, your loyal followers. Uh, Sometimes these fake sites will actually set up and scam people in the name of the original uh, brand or person and uh, just really in a malicious kind of way. So if you're interested in protecting your social media reputation, Social Imposter is the company for you. So check them out at socialimposter.com. And that's imposter with a P-O-S-T-O-R, imposter. The podcast is also brought to you by The Bob and Kevin Show. Um, Basically, we are starting to add more and more live streams and stream days throughout the week uh, and other special content. We have guest interviews from the development world and uh, just, you know, we're just kind of trying to stretch our legs a little bit. But for the most part, you can find us talking tech every Monday morning at 8 a.m. at bobandkevin.show. Yep, I said bobandkevin.show. Really cool domain name for a really cool show. So you can go there and hit that subscribe button and hit the bell next to the subscribe button and you'll get notified when we have our upcoming live broadcast and you'll get notified actually when we go live. So speaking of subscribe, if you like this podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and really just about any other podcast network. The only one that still I'm not on is Spotify. So I'm working really hard to get listed on Spotify as well. But uh, by pushing the subscribe button, that lets me know how many loyal listeners I have. And I just want to say, if you have subscribed on another network or any network for that matter, thank you so much for that. So this week, my special guest on the podcast was Chris Demnick. Chris is the owner of This Electrified Life. It's a coaching, uh, personal coaching company. She's also a fitness structure instructor, writer, and speaker. Uh, From physical burnout, a disillusioned advertising career, extreme self-doubt, and recovery from an eating disorder, Chris has overhauled her life and jumped off the deep end. She has a vision to make self-help sexy, and we talk about that on the cast, and see people all over the world ignite their unique spark and burn it bright. Chris is electrically energetic, yet deeply soulful as she guides her clients to surrender their shoulds, create the coulds, and back themselves and back themselves all the way. She believes that fear or failure or fear of failure, expectations, perfectionism, 
and comparisonitis stop us from owning our unique brand of energy. By using techniques of mindfulness, gratitude, and self-belief, she encourages her client she encourages her clients to break the mold and admit and accept that they are indeed awesome. So I really thought that Chris was a perfect fit because she is super amazing and she's one of my friends. So let's meet Chris and find out all about what she's up to these days. Hey, Chris, how's it going? Hey, Bob, it's going great, mate. I'm really well. How are you? I'm doing all right. So uh, full confession. Uh, So I sent you the link or I sent you the information and then we agreed, you know, that we would do this on Wednesday. And uh, funny thing, it's Tuesday where I live. (laughs) (laughs) So we agreed on a date and a time and we really weren't even talking about the same day. So that is so funny. So uh, why don't you tell everybody uh, where you're joining in from today? Well, I am coming from down under, just uh, north of Sydney in Australia. And this time difference thing, I tell you what, it gets me even within my own country. I had a call with a client yesterday and I'm sitting there waiting for her. She didn't show up. I texted her and she said, yeah, one o'clock my time. I'm in Queensland. So even just state to state in Australia, I get it wrong. So um, I'm not surprised. (laughs) So there are multiple time zones in Australia. See, I didn't know that either. certainly are. Yeah, the difference between uh, the east coast where i am and the west coast i think at its worst gets up to like four or five hours i think um yeah it's crazy australia is a big place (laughs) i guess i guess it is a giant place i always forget that part because not many people live in the middle right Mm -hmm, that's exactly right we're all around the edge we just like to hang around the edge and the middle's basically empty but I've never been to the middle, so there must be a reason people don't live there. It'd be hot as hell, so. But there are people who go there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's people that go there, and there are people that live there. It's not like it's completely empty, but, um, yeah, it's there's tourist attractions. I mean, the um, Uluru, the the big rock, is right in the right in the center. So it's um, definitely not uninhabitable, but um, yeah, all the the major cities are around the coast. Very cool. So there's also another huge difference where you are right now. Um, it is, we're struggling to stay above zero degrees at night and that's Fahrenheit. And uh, where you are, it is quite different than that right now. Sure is. We are actually coming towards the end of summer, but we have had a glorious summer. We've been up at sort of 28 to 32 degrees Celsius, um, you know, for the last two months really. So um, it's it's been pretty warm. Yeah, that's been driving me nuts seeing all your photos and your all dressed summery and at the beach. <laughs> and your new place is like right near the beach, right? Yeah, we're about five minutes drive from the beach. So we're we're pretty close. Oh, that's so nice. So you liking the new day? Yeah, love it, mate. Love it. Yeah. It's it's super cool. It's um to be a homeowner, I don't think I really we kind of dove into it pretty quickly anyway. It, it, it happened um, rather surprisingly, I guess, buying our first home. So I didn't really have time to think about it, um, but it's been it's been cool. It's, it's a good change. It's nice to, you know, have a place where you can go. If I really wanted to, I could, I don't know, put my foot through the wall. Not that you would, but I could. <laughs> um, and yeah, being so close to the beach, you know, it's particularly in this heat, it's close enough for us to literally just drive to the beach, jump in, jump out and come home. Oh, that's and great. It's been not even half an hour. So, all right. So then did you guys get the house 
right after you moved back or like when did, how long have you guys been in the house? We've been in the house now since the end of July last year. So what's that? August, September, October, November, December, six months. Um, and we moved. Is that when you guys came back from Copenhagen? No. So we'd already been back um, about six months. So we moved back from Copenhagen December 2016. And then we moved in here July 2017. So we'd been back about six months, um, which is not really a long time. And we certainly didn't expect that within six months of being home, we would have bought a house and moved yet again. But it seems to be what we do. We seem to be somewhat transient up until now, I guess. Now that we own the house, we're kind of locked down. But um, yeah, that's the way it happened. So how much stuff did you guys move back from Copenhagen? Uh, next to nothing. So when we moved to Copenhagen, we, we didn't take really any of our own belongings other than, you know, like clothing and a few little keepsakes to make our flat over there feel like home. The rest of our belongings we left here in storage knowing that we were coming back. Um, and then we accumulated a few little bits and pieces whilst in Copenhagen, but not all that much more. So I think coming back, we just shipped an extra two boxes or something than what we went over with. So so not yeah, a massive move back. Okay. No, no. So you got stuff out of storage. I'm assuming moved into an apartment when you guys came back. Yeah, that's right. So we rented a flat um, down at Bondi Beach. So we were like right in the thick of it. Um, for anyone that's visited Australia or wants to, you've probably heard of Bondi Beach. Um, so we lived there for six months until we we found this place. And it was cool. It was um, a nice experience to live in Bondi. We'd never lived there before. I've got to say, I don't think I would rush to live there again. Um, but yeah, it was good to... A little too much, a little too much in the thick of it. Yeah, it's just, you kind of never feel like you're home in Bondi. Even if you're just going down to the beach, you are like surrounded by, there's just people everywhere all the time. Um, so you kind of don't really get that like time out, which it, it can be great sometimes. And like Bondi is cool. There's some great restaurants, like cool cafe culture, um, galleries, obviously the beach is amazing and beautiful walks close by. But um, yeah, you kind of always feel like a bit of a visitor in your own home. That's the way I felt anyway. So then you had all that stuff out of storage, moved, and then six months later, you packed it all up and moved it again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Certainly not planned, but it seems to be the kind of blueprint for my life is to not do things to plan. So, um, you know, fly by the seat of your pants. <laughs> so what was the plan when you guys came back? Uh, you know what? We didn't really have one. Um, that's a really good question. Nobody has asked me that before. Um, well, I you think, just mentioned not according to plan, so I figured there must have been a plan somewhere. Yeah, well, when you asked that question, it made me realize I don't even know what I mean by plan because we didn't really have one. I guess moving back from Denmark, the reason we moved back and decided not to sort of stay there um, long term was that in terms of when we did want to settle and buy a house and start a family and, uh, you know, grow up, I guess we knew we wanted to do that in Australia. So we figured, well, you know, we're, we're kind of at the point where we're thinking about doing that. So rather than prolong it and make it even harder to leave Denmark, if we got more attached to it, let's, you know, head home and start to lay those, those roots down. Um, so I guess, you know, buying a house is not 
it's not like it was completely out of left field. It just happened a lot sooner than we expected. It wasn't in the it wasn't in the short immediate short term plan. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't in the six month plan. So you were working in Denmark before you came back to Australia, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were you doing there? I was teaching Pilates and TRX classes in Copenhagen. And then I was also working for Umbraco on their kind of marketing team. So my background is in digital advertising. I worked in digital ad agencies as a producer and a project manager, account manager, you name it, copywriter um, for six years um, in Australia. So when we got to Denmark, I jumped on board and, and was sort of doing it client side, I guess, from Braco whilst doing uh, my other job, which is, yeah, fitness teaching. So how did you guys end up in, I mean, I know the answer to this, but I mean, so for everyone listening out there, how did you guys end up in Denmark? So my husband, Shannon, is one of the core developers for Braco and randomly, I guess, you know what, this is a funny story, actually, talking about buying a house. Just before we moved to Denmark, before the opportunity even came up, we were thinking, all right, we want to buy a house. You know, we're at this point where we want to take the next step. And for us, that was, was buying a house. So we went, we got our home loan approved. We were sort of sitting there thinking, all right, we're ready to do this. And for some reason, we kept hesitating. And at that point, we were looking to buy a house in Sydney. So we're, we're not in Sydney at the moment. We're about an hour north where it's cheaper, let's just say. Um, but we were intending then to buy in Sydney. And I think it was just like this fear of the housing prices in Sydney. We just kept kind of sweeping it under the rug and like ignoring it, even though we said we wanted to do it. Um, and then I signed on to a full-time job for the first time in three years. I've been freelancing up until then. And I went, know what? I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going to go full-time again. We're going to lay these roots down. We're going to buy the house. And I was interviewing um, for another job while, while I was negotiating, you know, which, which job I was going to take essentially. And I was sitting there at work one day, kind of umming and ahhing, like, what am I going to do? Am I going to go here? Am I going to stay there? And all of a sudden I get this text message from Shannon saying, uh, this is weird, but we need to talk tonight because we've just been asked if we want to move to Denmark. And we both kind of just laughed about it and went like, haha, that'd be cool, but no. <laughs> and then we went about our days. And then we got home that night and we sat down and we looked at each other. And I think we both kind of knew just even looking at each other and not saying anything that we were going to do it. But again, we sort of looked at each other and said, that'd be cool. But like, no, 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 we're going to, you know, we've got our stuff going here. We're going to buy the house and you're going to take that job. And then we sort of looked at each other again and we said, well, hang on. Like, why not? We've just kind of defaulted to laughing about it and saying no, but let's just consider this for a second. Why the hell not? And I think in that moment, again, we knew we were going to do it. We went round and round the mulberry bush and sort of did all the rational, you know, pros and cons, but it didn't take us very long. I think from being offered to move to accepting was only about two or three weeks and then actually moving. I think the whole thing was about six weeks later. So it was pretty quick. And hadn't you guys <laughs> just gotten back from your like year abroad or year of travel? Yeah. Yeah. So we had been backpacking around the world for 18 months 
and we had been home probably again a year i think we'd been home okay so it wasn't just right after and okay no it wasn't right no it, it had been a year i think um yeah thereabouts and yeah so we we up and left again like i said kind of transient <laughs> just up and up and move <laughs> so you go to denmark and obviously shannon's got a gig and that's you know and you picked up a gig did you have the gig at Umbraco before then, or was that a result of the move? It was a result of the move. So um, one of the sort of, as I said, we were weighing up the pros and cons of, of moving. And obviously for Shannon, it was kind of like, well, it, I don't really need to think about it. I've got the job. We're moving for my job. But I was a little bit hesitant in, you know, well, what sort of work am I going to get over there? Will I get work without speaking the language? All these different things that go through your head about moving to another country. And so in one of the many conversations we had um, with uh, Shan's work, who was taking us over there, I basically said to them and <laughs> was pretty blunt about it by the end. I was like, I need help once I get there getting work. So if there's anything you guys can do to help me, I, I basically said, I expect you to do it. And they said, of course we will. We'll help you out. You know, we've got, Umbraco's got massive contacts with agencies all over Denmark. So they said, we'll, we'll help you out. Don't you worry. Something will, something will work out. So when we got there, I had already done all my research in terms of my fitness teaching and I'd found a Pilates studio and they called me in. I taught them for 20 minutes and they hired me on the spot. That was just like this beautiful um gift that just showed up for me. And then on the other side of things, I sat down with, um, with Shan's boss essentially and said, okay, how can you help me? Can you get me into a couple of agencies to have interviews? Um, where should I be looking? Blah, blah, blah. So we sat down for coffee and I just remember Niels looked at me and he said, so I can help you. But before we go there, I had a thought. It's like, why am I giving you away? because I could use you. Do you want to just come and work for us instead? And it was sort of this moment like, well, yeah, okay, let's scrap the conversation about other agencies. Let's talk about what you want me to do for you, because I basically accepted on the spot. Um, so yeah, it was all very kind of serendipitous and just, you know, if I'm honest, it just landed in my lap, um, which was you know, great. Um, and yeah, it was, it was pretty much a couple of weeks in and I was off and racing with work. So it worked out very, very well. Very cool. All right. So this is an interesting question that I had though. So you are obviously doing the fitness coaching at home in Australia. Uh -huh. and so you go to another part of the world, <clears throat> excuse me. And you then decide that you want to also try to do that in another country. So how was that? <laughs> it was uh interesting to say the least but really really cool i am so glad i did it i think i'm a better instructor for having done it um so i didn't really know what to expect um you know i knew that everybody in denmark speaks beautiful english a lot of danes don't think they do um but they do and as someone who only speaks one language i'm in awe of anyone that can speak two even half well let alone two beautifully well the way they do um but you know speaking two languages is one thing but then teaching someone something about their bodies particularly 
um, in another language, it, that's a whole other playing field. Because even in your mother tongue, if someone's trying to explain to you how they want you to move or engage a certain part of your body, uh, like that's a hard thing to do even in your mother tongue. And people learn in different ways and some sort of visual metaphor might work for someone and really not work for another. Um, and then even down to sort of physical cueing as an instructor. Um, I'm always very cautious of, you know, letting people know if you don't want to be touched or corrected, tell me because, you know, I'm not going to go there if, if that makes you uncomfortable. But there was that element for me of, well, this is a completely different culture. Right. Is it okay for me to go and do that, you know? Um, but it all, it all went pretty smoothly. I mean, there were definitely some cues that I would use or words that I would use that I'd be sort of met with blank stares. I'm like, okay, this clearly doesn't translate. Um, <laughs> let's go about this a different way. Um, but as I said, I think that made me a better instructor because it's made me really receptive to, um, you know, reading the energy in a room, understanding what works for some people and, and what doesn't. Um, and it's just got me sort of, I guess, a lot more sharp in the way that I instruct to make sure that everyone's getting the most out of it. Um, so it was a really cool experience. And for the clients as well, I think to have somebody different teaching them was a bit of a novelty. So, you know, me being, you know, the only Aussie, um, they, they kind of got a kick out of that and just a completely different style, you know. So it, it kept things fresh for the clients too, which I think is super important with any like fitness routine you you want to mix it up or at least inject a bit of difference in it so it doesn't just become this kind of um stale routine so it went down really well that's so true as far as the staleness good good to have an energetic instructor that mixes it up without a doubt <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah an instructor can be the difference of a you know of you sticking with something and you giving it up um and that's not to say that I don't expect everybody to love me. I know that there's going to be people in my classes that don't vibe with me and they're going to vibe with someone else. And that's totally cool. All power to them. Go where you feel comfortable because that's where you're going to get the most out of it. So how did you get, so like, when did you start becoming a fitness instructor? Um, so that was uh, 2014. So it was just after we'd moved back after our first trip abroad, which was our, our backpacking trip um, around the world. Whilst I was traveling, I sort of got really heavily into into my fitness, I guess, when you're, you're traveling and sort of think you're on holiday for a year and a half <laughs> um, and drinking beer every day and not really watching what you're doing. Um, things can change pretty quick. So I kind of... Um, you know, really, I took my fitness to another level whilst we were traveling and it became, um, probably became overly important to me, uh, if I'm honest, but um, that's a whole other story. But yeah, when I got back, I just dove straight back into my advertising work because that's what I, that's all I knew, right? It's what I was good at. It's the only thing I knew. But if I'm honest, I, I, I wasn't feeling it and I was pretty apprehensive about going back into it because something had shifted in me in that 18 months abroad where that wasn't really my priority anymore. I think, you know, traveling can really 
open your eyes wide to, to sort of what matters and working in advertising wasn't doing it for me anymore. But I, I dove back into it because it's all I knew and I was miserable, to be honest. Um, but I kept at it and kept at it and kept being miserable until the point where it was early 2014 and I was due to get married about eight weeks later and I just sat Shannon down and I said to him, look, I'm really unhappy at work. I know that it's affecting my personality. I'm a bitch, <laughs> if I'm honest, and I don't want to be a bitch. You're about to marry me and that's not the type of person I want you to marry. So I said, I'm I'm taking a punt and I'm going to quit and I'm not going to do anything until after the wedding. So I basically sat him down and said, I want to take eight weeks off. And he was super supportive as he always is, the legend that he is. Um, so I took eight weeks off before our wedding just to, you know, recalibrate. And in that eight weeks, I went, actually, I think it was my mom. I think it was my mom randomly. She said something like, oh, I think you'd be a great Pilates instructor. And off I went. I think so. I think so. I think we were talking about Pilates because we'd both been following the same like online Pilates videos while I was overseas. And so, you know, there was that connection. We had been, you know, both practicing it. Um, But yeah, out of the blue in terms of suggesting I do it. I'm pretty sure it was her. Um, she said, I, th- I think you'd be great. So off I went and I enrolled. And as I do with everything, I threw myself into it with gusto. So doing my Pilates training turned into doing my personal training certification, my group fitness certification, and it just kind of rolled on from there. But it was always something in the beginning that I was only doing on the side. I think I was too scared to give up that kind of day job for a long time, um, particularly because you know, you, you're not a fitness instructor for the money. It doesn't, <laughs> doesn't pay very well unless you've like nailed something super niche or you're, you know, kind of celebrity instructor or something. Um, so yeah, I always kind of held on to it just on the side. Um, but I just loved it, you know, and that's why I think when I moved to Denmark, I tried to make a real point of up leveling how much of it I was doing, um, to kind of balance it out with my with my other work and the satisfaction I get from it is just um on a different level to my advertising to advertising career nice so when you were traveling you said you were doing some online Pilates stuff kind of almost in tandem with your mom were you also going to like live instructors in these different locations and kind of soaking in a huge background of training or um, yeah, I went to a few different places. So I, when I was in Germany, I've got family in Germany. So I was going to the gym with my cousin and doing these classes that were all in German. So I got really good at counting to five. <laughs> and I can't remember it now, so don't ask me. Um, so I did some classes there. And then when we were in Canada, where my husband's from, we kind of stopped for about five or six weeks just to sort of have a break from being on the road. So I was going to going to the gym there, um, and met some really, really cool instructors there. Um, doing a lot of like body combat type stuff, which is not what I had been doing up till then. So it was kind of cool to just do something different and see how people were, were teaching it. And then in Mexico as well, I, um, my husband's mom lives in Mexico. So we spent a little time there and, um, 
I actually went into the gym there and they asked me to start teaching for them, <laughs> um, which I didn't do. Um, but I was, yeah, I was taking Pilates classes um, down in Mexico as well. So again, my Spanish vocabulary in terms of like right and left and counting and inhaling and exhaling, um, I learned that pretty quick. It's really funny what um, what you learn if you're doing a particular activity in a different language. The same thing happened when I went to Denmark and I was taking classes there. My Danish, the first thing I learned was how to count to 10. And that was because I was always in a fitness studio and people, you know, the instructors were counting your reps or left and right or your body parts. Like I got really good at, you know, like leg and arm and head. Um, so I was learning all these really weird um, pieces of vocabulary that you probably wouldn't start with <laughs> traditionally. <but> right. <laughs> like, <"Where's the> <laughs> it made it kind of fun. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I can tell you how to lift your hips off the floor, but I can't ask you where the bathroom is. <laughs> All right, so let's come more to the present, I guess, for a little while, and we'll probably go back and forth in time. But uh, so you took the fitness instructing and kind of like took that to the next level and started, uh, I guess, I mean, you're currently a life coach, correct? I am, yes. So is it? Is that a transition or a building upon from the the physical training or? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a building upon. So when we moved back from Denmark, I really took that as my uh, my chance to pretty much sever the the digital advertising realm. I, I, it was my my kind of mission, I guess, coming back to Australia for the second time to actually follow what it is that I wanted to do. And that doesn't mean that I, you know, regret any of my advertising career. I don't at all. I learned a lot from it. I still use it now, um, you know, building my own business and marketing my own business. Um, and I met my husband at, um, at one of the agencies I worked at. So I have no regrets whatsoever, but, um, it was really time for me to just listen to my heart and go, you know what, where are you getting the most joy and what is it you actually want to do? And it was the, the fitness instruction was where that lie. So I said, no, I'm not going back into advertising. I won't do it. I will sit with the discomfort of not having a job. I'll sit with the discomfort of not earning as much. Um, you know, I'll just, I'll make it work until it works basically. And, um, so I was taking jobs at different studios, teaching just casual classes here and there. And then as, as that kind of built up, I was at one point teaching, I think, at four different places. Um, and I was lucky enough to get into a studio and completely build a whole new repertoire of classes for them that didn't exist. You know, we just met and they liked me. They weren't really offering at the time what I do. Um, it was TRX at the time. Um, but they were really open to me doing it. So they said, yeah, come in, build it up create a class. And that was super cool. And it went amazingly well. My classes were booked out. It was super fun. So again, well, yeah, it's so popular. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and TRX being for anyone listening that doesn't know what TRX is, it's, um, two straps that hang from an anchor point and you can, um, they're not, they're not the stretchy rubber band kind of resistance ones. They're, they're fixed in terms of their, um, the material, but you can make them shorter, longer. They've got loops to put your feet, your feet in and it's all body weight exercises essentially. Um, and that's super empowering for people to just work with their body weight. Um, you know, going into a gym, like weights room can be quite intimidating for some people. So TRX is a super fun and empowering way to, to get that resistance in, um, regardless. Anyway, I digress. Um, 
No, no, it's good. I I often ask people to define things that I know that are like, um, some people listening aren't going to know what that is. So you, you are one step ahead of me. Awesome. So everyone listening, go and get yourself to a TRX class. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I built that class up at this studio and then I have to admit I had a little attack of the, um, what I call my money monster. Um, so that little voice in the back of my head going, Chris, you're not earning enough. You're not contributing enough. You're like freeloading off Shannon and blah, blah, blah. I had that little nasty voice in my head. So what did I do? I went and took a contract at an advertising agency, something I said I was not going to do. God, and we've talked about this so many times. Why do you get that? Why, why do you get that money monster? I know. Oh, trust me. I've turned the dial down on her. Um, yeah, she's, she doesn't come out quite as strong anymore, but it took a lot of work to, to turn her down. Um, and this contract was, it was only four weeks. So I figured, oh my God, I can do four weeks. I'll earn some quick cash, a little injection of money. Then I can, you know, go back to trying to make this other thing work. And what happened exactly as I knew it would, I almost quit on the third day, um, I was about to say, I hope anyone listening wasn't at that agency, but even if they were, I, I don't think I made a, um, a secret out of it, so it doesn't <laughs> matter. Um, but I stuck it out, um, and that is partly because I, you know, one of, of my values is to, you know, kind of stick to my word and, you know, be respectful of people. And for the sake of four weeks, I wasn't going to leave them in the lurch, and I sort of had to have a bit of a pep talk with myself and go, you know, this experience is teaching you something and that is to you know listen to your intuition and don't do things out of fear um don't do things out of that you know place of lack I don't have enough you know um so it taught me something so I said I said to myself okay Chris you gotta you gotta take a lesson from this and find the positive so I did that contract um but then after that that was really it that was like okay I'm I'm not going back after this and I'm proud to say I have not been back since then, which was now basically a year ago. Um, so what I did do was continue my my fitness instruction, but I decided to go and take a life coaching certification because what I was finding in the gym and in the studios that I was teaching at, I was having a lot of people sort of coming in with their I guess, mental baggage, if you want to call it that. Um, and I have, a, you know, a great respect for us fitness instructors because it's not just going in and, and teaching a physical class. You you kind of have to have a psychology degree because people, a lot of stuff comes out of people um, when they're kind of move, moving their bodies. Exactly. Yeah. And um, it really became apparent to me and this is like my personal story as well so you know my own relationship with um fitness with exercise with my body um I had really learned that to have a fit body you you've got to give the same amount of attention to your mind you know you don't leave your brain at the door of a gym it doesn't work that way and I was having a lot of clients coming in and you know, they just might not be feeling it one day and they get really frustrated because they couldn't do that last chin up or something. And I take them aside at the end. I'd, I'd just say, you know, I just want to check in. You know, I sense that, you know, you weren't feeling great today. Is there anything I can do? And they would break down and all of a sudden it would be, okay, it wasn't about that chin up. It was about the fact that, you know, you had an argument with your partner last night or, you know, your job is, um, 
under threat or something. It, like all these these other things going on that were playing on their mind was affecting the energy that they brought into the into the room. So it really got me got me thinking about wanting to be able to coach people on their I guess their mental fitness as well as their physical fitness. So that's where the idea to to become a life coach came from. And since then I've just I've just run with it. So I've now launched my own coaching business, This Electrified Life, and I do that alongside my my physical um, coaching. I still sort of tend to keep them somewhat separate in that, you know, if you come to me for coaching, it's not like you have to suddenly sign on to some amazing like fitness plan as well. Um, it's more the fact that I'm, um, I am passion- equally passionate about both um, and see the interplay between the way we feel about our physical health and our physical fitness and our physical bodies and our, you know, the, the same of our, our mental fitness. So it's pretty cool. So you took now, I don't know if this was part of your life coach training, but wasn't there like a Bali retreat or something, or was that something completely separate? Mm. So the Bali retreat was actually something I did for my own um, personal development, I guess. Um, so there's a quite a long backstory to this, but it's a, a kind of entryway into where I'm at now, why I am a life coach and how I became a life coach. So, Oh, great segue um, then. I mentioned earlier when we were chatting about that, that trip around the world that I sort of became almost overly um, dedicated to my fitness and to just call a spade a spade and just throw it out there. I'm not shy. I'm an open book. Um, I basically overtrained and under ate and developed what's called body dysmorphia and a calorie restrictive eating disorder. So I was tracking every damn thing I put in my mouth and training like an idiot basically. Um, and I got super addicted to it to the point where I, I dropped to a really, really low weight, low body fat percentage, um, you know, to a point where, you know, it wasn't healthy for me. Um, so my own personal journey involved, you know, in that period when we moved back after our trip around the world, it involved, I guess, putting weight on, which is something that, um, a lot of people go, wow, that's awesome. You just get to eat burgers and fries every day. But when you've been so obsessed with your health, that's not the way you want to put weight on. So I went through this journey of trying to, um, I guess, repair an unhealthy body um, in a healthy way. Um, and there was a lot of mindset work that was involved in that. And particularly to then walk into a studio and be you know, a role model and a fitness instructor, um, it was really important for me to, um, to make sure I was in the right headspace to be the best instructor I can be. Um, so I invested a lot in my own personal development, uh, my own personal health recovery, both physically and mentally. And that retreat that I went on in Bali, um, just on a year ago, um, was a retreat run by a coach called um, Melissa Wells, Mel Wells, and she specializes in food psychology, um, disordered eating, um, body image, um, and from all kind of angles, not 
you know, she doesn't sort of, it's not pigeonholed into sort of eating disorder uh, recovery. It's an exploration of the relationship we have with food and our bodies and and how to repair that and and be more loving towards yourself, I guess. So it definitely came from a kind of self-love angle. So her work just really spoke to me. She wrote a book called The Goddess Revolution, which is um, how I first heard about her. And honestly, reading that book, it was sort of like, are you in my head? Because I'm pretty sure you just wrote my story. Um, So when I found out she was doing a retreat in Bali, I went, yep, I got to get on this because physically I was, um, you know, in a much, much, much better place. Um, And mentally I was too, but it was almost like there was just one little piece of the puzzle that wasn't quite with me, you know, that inner bitch was still kind of taking over a little bit too much. So I went on this retreat and it was seven days in Bali with, you know, 14 other amazing women from around the world. And we just kind of workshopped um, around the way we felt about ourselves, the way we felt about our bodies, um, comparison, um, fear, that inner bitch, um, all sorts of, yeah, kind of self, self-development work. And it was, it was unreal. It was, it was super cool. And I think the reason it was, it was so powerful is because we were taken away from the everyday, you know, we're locked in this amazing villa for seven days. We had a personal chef cooking for us and we just had that time and space to really like go deep, to go there and to face the fears, to face the discomfort, to face the nasty stuff um, and and to kind of turn it around. And I think once you're given the space and the time to actually focus on it, that's when you start to see how important it really is. Um, so, you know, it's it's very easy to say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm self-loving and I, I look after myself when things are going great. Um, but when things are not so great or you've got some discomfort that you have to, to face, it's, it's not as easy to do that. So when you're in everyday life and, you know, you've got to go to work and look after the kids and you've got all these other distractions, of course, you're going to put it off. So to be taken away and, um, kind of put in a safe place where all you're focusing on is that. And the only thing you have to think about is how you want to care for yourself that day. Um, it was pretty powerful. Yeah. And I've noticed that in a lot of the stuff that you've been sharing and writing, it seems like you're exploring, trying to hide, trying to find those, those spots, you know, in the everyday life to, to get that escape away, to find that, that peace to be able to, you know, you can't go to Bali all the time. So kind of like to make that own Bali for yourself, to give yourself that perspective. Exactly. That is such a good way to put it. Um, yeah, you can't go to Bali all the time. You know, reality is still reality. And, um, I pride myself as a coach on, you know, being really respectful and understanding of the fact that each of my clients, you know, you still have your duties and your responsibilities and, you know, logistics. Um, you know, it's not like if you're unhappy in your job, I'm going to tell you, well, go quit and just like figure it out. You know, I know you've got finances, you've got bills to pay, you've got kids to feed. Um, and I really sort of pride myself on, going like dreaming big, let's, let's dig deep and figure out what it is that, um, that ideally you do want. And then how do we bring that into the everyday now, perhaps not in exactly the way you've got it in your head or the way you would like it to be. Um, but how do we sort of get you closer to that now? And then the more you do that, the more you can call in those bigger, um, manifestations of whatever it is that you actually desire. So yeah, I'm a big believer in, in making it accessible um, and in making self-help something that 
you can access immediately and also making self-help. I I like to say I'm on a mission to make self-help sexy because I think self-help has this horrible like connotation of um, like, I don't know, almost like used car salesman kind of vibe, like self-help's a bit daggy and a bit, it's either like super daggy and for people who are like rock bottom weak or it's for people who are super woo-woo and it's not, it's for everyone. Self-help is whatever you want to make it. Self-help is purely just giving yourself a little bit of love and attention um, and calling out for help when you need it. And it shouldn't be something that's, you know, um, looked down upon or seen as weak. I actually think it's one of the most attractive things in the world if somebody is willing to, to, you know, to go there and to do the inner work and to be in touch with themselves. I think there's nothing more attractive than someone that really knows who they are. Well, one thing that I really like about what you you're doing, and I, you know, I, obviously we're not going to give away the give away the store here, but like in the things that you share, it's a, a lot about the realization. Like you have to you have to have that moment first where you're like, oh my gosh, my inner bitch is coming out, or oh my gosh, the the money monster, or you know, all those things. It's like stop breathe and realize that this thing is happening. And I feel like the stuff that you're sharing out there for everyone is really helping. I mean, I think it's really awesome and vulnerable too, when you're sharing the fact that you're having one of those moments and this is how I worked past it or worked through it. It's just, I, thought, mm. I love mm. that part. Oh, thank you. I, that means a lot. You know, I, I appreciate it because it is vulnerable, you know, and just cause I'm a coach doesn't mean I'm immune to all of this. Um, it just means that I've had a little bit more practice at it and I can call myself out a bit quicker. So it's almost like we all have this stuff. We've all got our things. I'm just perhaps a couple of steps ahead. Um, And that's, it's just the awareness that I have built up and the experiences that I've had um, just mean that I've got perhaps more tools in my belt to be able to call myself back from that quicker. Um, So I I think particularly something like life coaching, how on earth could I ask someone to give me their trust um, and their, you know, their money if they're going to hire me as their coach, um, if I'm not giving them the same trust back by being open and sharing my own experiences and my own vulnerability, you know, I'm, I'm not up on a pedestal um, and I'm not there to tell you what to do. I'm there to hold space for somebody, um, to allow you the space and time and safety to perhaps explore the things that you, you wouldn't otherwise explore and to, yeah, hold your hand along the way to guide you, of course, to give suggestions if you're struggling, but also to just hold the space for you to realize that you know more than you think you do and you have more answers than you think you do. Um, and yeah, I, I just think that, uh, that realization that you mentioned is is so key. You know, someone can tell you until they're blue in the face what they think you should do, but until you believe that you want it, believe that you're worthy of it, until you want to go there yourself, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. It's got to come from you. Um, and all that takes is a little bit of curiosity, a little bit of surrender, um, an open heart and an open mind. And it's amazing what things can come to you when you just allow yourself to be curious. You know, no one's asking you to, you know, believe in some dogma or, um, you know, some particular teaching or prescription, you know, all my clients 
they're very different personalities and they work in very different ways. And that's totally cool. I'm never going to prescribe one method of doing things for every single person. Um, but if you're curious and open to exploring different ways of thinking, then all of a sudden, like the world shifts. It really does. It sounds a bit, you know, um, cliche, but as soon as you're curious, your eyes see things that weren't there before. Well, yeah. Also willing to try things that, you know, you know, the definition of insanity is, you know, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome. That curiosity probably opens people up to trying something that's not their regular routine. Mm, mm, yeah, for sure. And I think one of the the most common piece of feedback I get from my clients about coaching with me is the fact that when you are in that dedicated space for an hour, which is just for you, and, you know, I, I'm sitting and, and listening and really deeply listening to what my clients are saying, but also what they're not saying. And the biggest bit of feedback I get is that I have this way of, I guess, reading between the lines and potentially spinning something on its head in a way that, um, you know, they've perhaps not, perhaps not thought of. And that's totally normal because we've become very, um, you know, attuned to a certain belief or a certain thought pattern that we've had. Some of our, our beliefs and thought patterns we've had for, you know, the better part of our whole lives. So to suddenly try and think of it in a different way is, is pretty alien. But when you're in a space where there's somebody removed, you know, myself as a coach to say, well, have you thought about it like this? Or, well, rather than rejecting that, why don't we try and embrace it and see what happens? Um, and that's when shifts happen. So are your like clients right now, are they mostly local to you or is there no physical like? Or no physical clients at the moment actually at all. Um, so all of my clients are, are remote. We meet um, just on, on a web call. I, I use Zoom and we jump on and um, spend an hour online together. Um, I've got clients uh, in all over Australia, in two different states in Australia. I've got um, a client in Denmark. Um, yeah, so it, it doesn't really matter where you are. All it takes is um, understanding a time difference, which as you heard at the top of the call, I'm not great at. But <laughs> me neither. But trust me when I say with my clients, I make sure that I figure out the time difference. Um, yeah, so it's it's all done online, which is awesome. You know, it makes it super accessible, um, really easy. You can do it from, you know, the comfort of your own home or somewhere else if you want to be, you know, removed and outside of the house. Um yeah. So I, I do see people face to face if they happen to be local. Um, but just the way it's panned out at the moment, um, yeah, all my clients have been interstate or overseas. So how do you cultivate those client relationships and like how do you how do you establish a client relationship with somebody that is not even in your locale? Um, well the the way I start all of my um coaching series with my clients, um, before you even sign on to actually go through the process and, and the paid series, I always start with just a completely free like chat. So I send a couple of questions for you to think about and then we'll meet and it's just a uh, super safe. I turn the video off so you don't feel like your eyes are on you and we just talk. And the main reason I do that, of course, I need to get to know what this person is looking for in terms of what they want for themselves um, through coaching. But I think even more importantly than that, the reason I do it is to 
give my clients a chance to see if we vibe. Because as I said earlier, like some people you just don't vibe with and that's perfectly okay. Um, so I really value that initial um, chance to connect and we just talk and see if those sparks kind of fly. Um, and then in addition to that, as I go through my work with my clients, I, I really try to um, you know, take note of what's going on in their lives and particular specific things about them. And if I see something in my week that's, oh, I was speaking about that with so-and-so, I'll flick it to them in an email just to, you know, cultivate that um, that trust that, you know, I'm there for them. I'm their cheerleader. They're on my mind. Um remembering little things like one of my clients, I think in the first session, her kid's tooth fell out in the middle of the session. So she had to, you know, rush off and attend to her daughter. So, you know, I'll make a note of it. So I know that the next times, you know, ask about, ask after her daughter and um, just, you know, care and, and be invested in, um, in what's going on for, for each of my clients. And then I guess in addition to that, to sort of cultivate um, a network and a, um, and a following, um, I mainly focus on, on Instagram, um, in terms of, of like social following. And I try to make sure on Instagram that I'm sharing, you know, little tidbits that anybody can take regardless of if they work with me or not. So like those little everyday kind of life hacks, um, to bring those moments of mindfulness and and self-awareness, but then to also share myself. And that is, you know, both me, as a person and as a coach, I do a lot of Instagram stories that are like little snippets of what it could be like to coach with me. I might pick a topic and, and talk about it. Um, but also just me as a person, like what what lights me up? What gets me going? What strategies do I use that, um, that I love? And, you know, for example, two days ago, or Super Bowl, um, I shared a, a post about Prince because music is massive for me. Music's like a, a huge... Muse, I, I count music as part of my like spiritual practice. Honestly, it's like euphoric for me. Um, and so I decided, you know what? Yeah, okay. Not everyone might like Prince, but I am going to share something about the fact that I like this artist and what could we learn from from him. Um, and I'll turn something that I love into a lesson that we could all, you know, all. Um, appreciate something out regardless of, of whether we like that particular person or not. So I really try to bring myself into the equation as well to try and cultivate that um, that knowing connection and relationship with my clients. All right. So we're going to take a little bit of a sharp turn here because you brought up Prince in the Super Bowl, <laughs> but, but then we're going to come back to uh, the life coaching stuff. So <laughs> the uh, JT's tribute during the halftime. Yeah. So were you a fan or no? Uh, you know what? I'm kind of like torn. I I think JT is, is unreal as well. The way I put it in that Instagram post, um, JT is a star, but Prince is the freaking universe. Um, I really like JT and I think he did a bang up kick-ass job of that medley of all of his songs. I'm glad that he did a tribute to Prince because I think Prince is deserving of a tribute. And it, you know, it hopefully got Prince back on everybody's radar. Um, but at the same time, I kind of know that Prince wasn't one for, you know, tributes. And right. um, But you know what? Heck, let JT do what he wants to do. If he wants to express his, you know, um, 
his love for an artist that has influenced him, then let him do it because I think it's great that he's, you know, he has taken influences from artists like Prince um, and Michael Jackson. To be honest, I was surprised that it was Prince. I guess I didn't really realize how influenced JT was by Prince. If it was a Michael Jackson tribute, I would have been like, yeah, of course, JT is always talking about Michael Jackson. Um, So maybe that was a little bit of a a kind of surprise for me, which made me think, you know, how genuine is it? But it fit, you know, he was in Minnesota. Clearly his music has some influence from that era um, of music. So whatever like it didn't it was not like I was offended I wasn't one of those people that jumped online I saw so many people like hating on JT like how dare you do this prince would be rolling in his grave and yeah even if he was like fuck that's prince you know (laughs) prince was pretty out there he didn't compromise on what he thought so like that would that would be pretty fitting if prince was rolling in his grave so just let it go you know (laughs) I was pretty skeptical at first but then uh I saw there's clips. He was on Jimmy Fallon later that night and Jimmy Fallon was going live from Minneapolis as well. And, uh, he kind of really put a nice little bow on it. I mean, it, it definitely was a heartfelt tribute and he kind of said the same thing that you said about Prince being the universe. Like he was really giving it up and quest love gave his seal of approval on the whole thing. And quest is, well, there you go. Yeah. Quest is pretty much deep into whole prints and music and everything too. So uh, yeah, go yeah. check that out. That'll definitely, uh, I will. That'll yeah. definitely let, let you feel a little better about being okay with it too. Um, yeah, yeah. Look, I think anything that can celebrate amazing artists, like go for it. You know, it's a, music is a joy. So let's kind of like take the politics off it and just let music lift you up and, and be a joy. And I have to say, I totally said Minnesota before and you've corrected me. <laughs> so No, Minnesota's correct. Yeah, yeah, I know. But Minneapolis is what I was trying to say. Oh, well, it's still in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. Good. No, no, need, no need to dial it down to the city. Um, <laughs> all right. So there was another part of me, like, so sorry we took that detour. But no, I, that's all like, right. How, Prince is always a worthy detour. How do these people find you? Do they find you through the Instagram? Like your clients for the life coaching? Yeah. Um, so through, I've had one client I'm working with at the moment. Yes, she found me through Instagram. Uh, another client is a referral from a client that I was coaching whilst I was doing my training. So I did a lot of pro bono coaching while I was still doing my certification. So um, coaching for free um, just to get my experience up. Um, And out of that, I've had two referrals from one of the the women that I coached um, during my training. So referral is definitely like a massive, particularly again for life coaching, something that involves, you know, trust and, um, I, it, I can definitely understand why people might sort of hesitate and go, oh, am I really going to do this? I don't know who this person is. So I really value um, the power of word of mouth and, and referral. Um, so yeah, social media referral and just people that I might have had like loose contact with or I try not to coach really close friends. I feel like that just the waters are a little bit muddied there. Um, but I have, yeah, been, that could be interesting. <laughs> yeah. but I have been coaching some people who, you know, I may have worked with years ago or I've got some sort of acquaintance with. Um, so when I sort of first launched my business, I basically did a big call out to anybody that was in my, um, 
like address book. So anybody that's had contact with me in the last like eight years, you might have got an email um, just calling out for some support. And I had a few kind of surprise people um, from, you know, back in the day um, express their interest. So yeah, there was um, one particular client who I used to, to work with God, probably five or six years ago um, that, that came and coached with me. Very cool. All right. So before we move on to my next agenda topic, I have this area called show notes, but it's really not that much of an agenda topic. How would people let people know listening to the podcast, how they would find you? How can you find me? Alrighty. So my website is the first place you can find me. And that is www.thiselectrifiedlife.com. And that's also where my blog is. So thiselectrifiedlife.com slash blog, you can find my blog. And that's a really good way to kind of get to know me and what I'm all about and the things that I love to work with um, my clients on. Um, So I'd say the website and then like jump on my Instagram. I do have a Facebook page for the business as well, but um, I would say go follow me on Instagram, um, see the type of content that, that I'm sharing there, jump on and watch my little Insta stories. um, And you can of course message me through Instagram as well. So that is um, at this electrified life on Instagram. Um, So Yeah website highly recommend that as an instagram follow yes come along give me a follow we'll have some fun is that what they say for instagram is it follow me on instagram i can never keep track of it Uh, yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah follow on instagram like on facebook (laughs) yes and what do you do on twitter you follow on twitter too Uh, you follow on twitter yeah but you don't do tweets for this electrified life, do you? Not for, not yet, no. So I do share what I'm up to just off my personal handle, which is at Chris Demonic. Um, so please come along, follow me on Twitter as well. You will hear what this electrified life is up to. Um, but just purely for, uh, I guess, my own focus, um, I only launched the Facebook page four days ago. Um, so up until the end of last week, I was purely on my website, blog and Instagram. And I did that for a very particular reason because I kind of wanted to hone my focus somewhere and, and, you know, really do it well and serve people in a useful way in one place rather than kind of scattergunning everywhere. Um, yeah, so that's the reason I'm, I don't have a, a dedicated, um, Twitter handle yet for the business, but it may come. Who knows? But until then, there's plenty of other places you can find me. Any possibility for the, a future This Electrified Life podcast? Ooh, maybe, maybe. I'm certainly not uh, not adverse to the idea. Um, I'm going to definitely start doing uh, – one of the reasons I launched the Facebook page is because I'll start doing like Facebook Live, so little mini workshops, nice. um, Q&A sessions. Um, so I'll probably start – um, with that. But yeah, it's definitely something that, that could be on the radar for sure. Highly recommend it. It's very cathartic for me to do this. So uh, I think you'd really enjoy the podcasting aspect. Hmm. It's it's just fun. It's just, you know, it's like taking notes without having to write them down. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. And you know what? It's like you said to me earlier when we were kind of setting up, you know, it's like a good old fashioned phone call. And I was having this discussion with a friend just last week. I was sitting here working away, squirreling away, writing my blog. And I got this phone call and I saw this friend of mine that I haven't spoken to in probably four or five years his name come up, came up and he was he was calling me. And you know, I'm actually really embarrassed to even admit this. I didn't answer it because I was like, oh, he must be like pocket dialing me or something. Like, why would he be calling me? <laughs> so I didn't answer it. 
And then when like the call stopped, I went, hang on. I'm like, that is bullshit. Chris, call him back. So I picked up the phone. I called him back and he was genuinely, he was at home. He, I think he was um, ill. So he was off work. And he said, I was sitting here watching Netflix and I thought, what the heck am I doing? I should actually communicate with someone. And he said, who, you know, make, who do I really want to connect with? Who haven't I spoken to that, you know, I always feel really good when I speak to them. And yeah, even though we hadn't spoken in four years, he called me and we had such a good chat for about 45 minutes. We just sat on the phone, we caught up and it was like I had seen him yesterday, not four years ago. So I totally get that. Like this connecting with people, um, and talking to people rather than just like constantly on like whatever form of messenger that you're on um yeah talking is something we need to do more of yeah kevin uh kevin guzeski and i have gotten into doing like daily uh zoom chats so like we'll just Mm. fire it up and we'll both work from home and just have each other on the screen and sometimes we pair code sometimes we just you know talk about their kids and the family and stuff so it's pretty funny but yeah, it's it's yeah. definitely good to have that contact for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And particularly like if you're somebody that say works from home, um, like by yourself, you can suddenly go a whole day and realize that you haven't uttered a word. Like you haven't spoken to anyone. Well, at least that anyone um, heard. I talk to myself a lot. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the segue of asking you if there was a future podcast was the, actually the segue into, so what, what is next for Chris? What's, what's in that, what's in that plan that doesn't always get followed, but what's in the plan? (laughs) Oh man, so much. I have like so many ideas flying around this brain of mine. So, um, definitely continuing to, to build my coaching practice. That's obviously a huge priority, um, for me, but I also want to expand that out into doing in-person workshops. So obviously that'll start locally. Um, but doing, you know, from half a day up to, to full day workshops on the most common, um, you know, things that I work with my clients on. So be that like fear of failure, comparison, self-belief, um, doing some kind of hands-on work there is definitely something I want to start doing. Um, I have an idea for a book, which I'm kind of flirting with at the moment. I'm not attaching any expectation or, you know, deadline to it. I like to say I'm just flirting with the idea. So, um, you know, I've got a notebook dedicated to it. And whenever I have a thought that relates to it, I'll just like jot it down, close it. Like, that's fine. It can just sit there. It got out of my head and it's on paper. But it's something that throughout the year, I'm going to try and, um, you know, put a a bit more focused thought into, um, cause I, I would love to, to get a book out. That would be unreal. Um, and what else is on the cards for me? You know what? There's this other crazy big dream, um, which will, I, I say it will require a little more thought, but if my history and track record is anything to go off, it could just suddenly freaking <laughs> happen in the next six months. Um, but I would love to one day open my own fitness studio, um, with a space for me to do my coaching and, and my workshops from. So, you know, kind of create a bit of a wellness hub so you can come in, you can do your yoga, your Pilates, your TRX, um, meditation, like I, I teach guided meditations as well. Um, but then also have like a consult room to do face-to-face coaching or take my, um, my online coaching calls from, um, and a space to kind of host, uh, workshops and, um, 
yeah, and little kind of mind body events. So that's something I would love to do. When that happens, I don't know. Um, to start with, we'll just. Oh, that sounds super possible. <laughs> you could do that tomorrow. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's definitely on the radar. It's um, it's another little flicker in my in my eye put it that way no that'd be awesome do it do it yeah it'd be cool it would be super cool um yeah i i I can see it i can see it in my head i know what it looks like um i just need to yeah to put my head down and and bring it to life but i would just love to create a space where people and even you know just a space where if you're you know you just need some freaking time out come in and I'll have a little like breakout area where you can just sit and like read your book or meditate or just chill out for 15 minutes on your way home from work like I would love to be able to create a space that yeah of course you can come in and do your structured classes or coaching or whatever it might be but also just create a hub where your wellness and your mental you know um well-being is is number one and you can just come in there and disconnect and know that you're held and you're safe and you're, you know, just get a chance to zen out a little bit. I feel like there's so many people who've just grabbed one tiny piece of each one of those things that you mentioned. And it's a shame that you can't go to all one place for that holistic full experience. Mm. Like I don't want to have to go across town to the yoga studio and then across town to like the, you know, where you can get your salt lamps and all that other kind of stuff or just the sit and read place. Like why does it have to be six different locations? Yeah. Right. Totally. That's, that's what's in my head. It's like, just come and it's all there. It's in one place. And, and just to be a place that's really positive too. Like I want this to be a space where people feel good being in there and feel even better once they leave. Um, one of the like most amazing pieces of feedback I could ever ask for from a client, if they've come and done a class with me is that, you know, they leave feeling like a better person than they did when they walked in. Like, that's just, that's what I'm in it for. And if I can create a space that lifts people up to that, then unreal job done. Very cool. All right. So if you're familiar with the format here, the very last thing that I ask of each of my guests is who is someone that you and I both know that you think would be good on the podcast? Mm, yes, I was thinking about this earlier this week and I was thinking, oh my gosh, who am I going to say? And a name has just come to my head, which is totally none of the names that I thought of when I tried to prepare for this question. So that is a real life example of surrendering control <laughs> and just give in to the flow, guys, because something surprising might come up. But I would love to hear from Miss Carol Logan. Oh, Carol. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I just think Carol has like watching her from the first time I met her um, in at Co Garden in Denmark. God, however many years ago it was um, to where she is now. She's just like killing it. Yeah. And I, I think she's unreal. And I would just love to hear more from her, her, like in her own words and her own story of how it has been for her going from where she was to where she is now. Um, and yeah, I, I love Carol. I think she's great. And she's super funny. Holy hell. Her Facebook posts and her <laughs> tweets and what I just like, oh, 
man. Oh. And she's got this like humor that sometimes goes under the radar exactly. and like she'll tweet something and I am like laughing my ass off and nobody else has liked it. I'm like, what's going on here? I'm like, this is funny, guys. <laughs> Pay attention. She puts it in her presentations too and she just blows right through the jokes and she's really just freaking hilarious. Yeah, she's unreal. So Carol, I want to hear from you, girl. <laughs> All right. Carol's definitely going on a guest list. I think I can make her time zone work out. It isn't nearly as crazy as yours. Well, actually, <laughs> yours wasn't too bad, come to think of it. Yeah, it wasn't too bad, right? I guess, yeah. Uh, really, the European ones actually throw things yeah. off. There at the end of their day is right in the middle of my day. And uh, by the time my day is over, they're ready to turn in for the night. Yeah, it's a bit difficult. Well, hey, I just wanted to say thanks. And, uh, you know, I always reserve the right to recall a witness, really a, a guest, uh, because I feel like there's just tons more that we could talk about. So uh, I'd love to have you on again sometime. Amazing. I would love to. It's been fun. Always love a good chin wag. <laughs> So I uh, always give my guests the chance to have the final word. So if there's any, you know, pieces of wisdom or parting thoughts you want to share with everyone as we kind of close things out here tonight. Ooh, a parting thought. My goodness. Um, okay. I just want to say to everyone listening, um, if you have something that is tugging at you or bubbling away in you for attention and you are not giving it attention because you're scared. We're all scared. You think you're going to fail. You don't have the belief in yourself to do it. I challenge you to try and ask yourself, what could you be missing out on by not facing it? And give yourself a break. Give yourself a little fist bump. Give yourself a little bit of love and know that you are needed in all the ideas that you have and everything that you have to offer, you're needed just the way you are. So um, take a big old leap of faith and just do one thing that can step you closer towards whatever that thing is that's that's tugging at you. And um, I would also say if at any point what you are doing becomes pressure, not pleasure, you want to sit and think about that. Try and use pleasure as your driving force. Flip it around. Uh, there you go. My little pearl of wisdom. Well, I totally love that. So thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Have a great night. All right. Wow. So I pretty much think Chris uh, summed that up about as good as you possibly can. And uh, with that, I'm going to say, hey, have a great week or maybe two uh, because it looks like I'm doing these every couple of weeks. But until then, uh, be amazing. Be amazing.